was he would restore us back to the faith of the fathers. And that isn't just in word and in doctrine, but he would turn the hearts to be that. I want to be found in those scriptures. Amen. Amen. God bless you and welcome you this morning. And good to be in the house of the Lord. Really good spirit here. We appreciate that. Amen. We thank you for your, your participation in the worship, Brother Ray, for the worship and all of you just coming together. Just want to make a couple of announcements. Um, there's a prayer meeting this Thursday, or this Tuesday, rather, at 7.30. So that'll be for anyone who would like to be a part of it. If you have a need that you would like to just come together and have a little extra prayer, I believe that's what it's for. So you're welcome to attend. That's this Tuesday at 7.30. Um, Brother Joe Parazok, I'm not sure if he's home yet or I didn't check, but remember him in prayer, is he? He's home? Okay, so he's home. I understand he lost some weight. He was weak. So we want to remember our brother Joe in prayer. Um, and uh, also want to ask you to remember my wife in prayer. Um, she, uh, alongside the stomach ailment, she's been seeing doctors, but this last week she got a uh, bladder infection, and she will have to go and take some antibiotics for that. And um, last night, the side effect that was helping her, but taking some food, and it compounded, and she could not sleep. And at 3 o'clock, she went to the emergency. She's there right now. I was with her uh, for part of the morning, and, um, and my sons are there right now. So I just want to ask you to remember her in prayer. She was in very, very severe pain, and uh, I felt nothing less than an attack of the enemy. And I, I just said last night in prayer, I was up a good part of the night, but I just said, Lord, you came to destroy the works of the enemy. And I said, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're going to hold to hold him to that, and we're going to have prayer, and... Uh, I just also want to say, I, I, yesterday it felt like there were so many things the enemy was throwing at me. And, I, and somewhere last night I said, Lord, this is just the enemy. And on Friday night was rather unusual for me in that I went for a walk. And I'd had a thought on my heart for some time, but I went for a walk. And normally I'm doing the service right up to, uh, as we speak, but the Lord just dropped with clarity some of the thoughts I'm going to express this morning. And uh, I'm glad he did it then because I couldn't have done it yesterday or last night or this morning. And so we're gonna, not going to take what the enemy is saying 
to change the course, but we're going to carry on with the course that God gave. So let's sing this morning, I have a maker, um, if we can, I have a father, then we're going to have a word of prayer. Brother Ernie, you don't even know what you prayed this morning, <laughs> but you already prayed for Hallelujah. You prayed for those that are in the hospital. You prayed for those. The Spirit of God is here this morning. Can we just unite our hearts, lay aside everything? We are here for God. Let's sing this. I have a that second verse again sister Ruth this morning we have a father he has called us his own and he'll never leave us this is a direction that we're gonna go this morning but I want you to consider this you have a father you have a natural father but you have a spiritual father Let's just bow in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we are here by the ordination and purpose of God. And we stand here this morning at the place that you've appointed us to. We're at the post of duty. Father, we're here this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, from whom there is no other name in heaven, in heaven, on the earth, and beneath the earth. By that name, every demon must bow, every power is subject to it, and Lord, we render ourselves subject to it this morning. Now, Lord, I commit myself to you. I commit this, your people, unto you. I commit every need in our midst unto you. Lord, I commit those that aren't with us this morning the prayer was already made, Lord, and we believe that you've heard it. 
to those that are in the hospital, to those that can't be here. Lord, to those that are afflicted, to those that are mourning, and we're asking you, Father, Lord, may you destroy the works of the enemy. And Father, may you bring honor to your name this morning. Father, we commit everyone into your hands. I commit my wife to you, my sons. Commit the church. I commit everyone into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's all the singing will do. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 37. Nice to see you all here. There we go. Nice to see you too, Brother Glenn. (laughs) And your wife too. (laughs) Brother Sam, Sister Carol, God bless you. You know, I never did say thank you for the birthday card that you gave me some time back. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Let's, Genesis 37, let's read from verses 1. Verse 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Now look at the order of the scripture. He's walking where his father walked before him. And now it speaks of that which is to come forth from Jacob. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph. It doesn't start with Reuben. It doesn't start with Simeon or Levi or Judah. It starts with Joseph. Being 17 years old, he was feeding the flock with his brethren And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And you can read in Genesis chapter 49 what Jacob's record of his sons were naturally. About Reuben, about Levi, about Simeon. But here, Joseph sees what they're doing. And it says, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, here it changes the order, not Jacob. Now Israel, so it's saying, it's not just a grandparent type love, but it's the spiritual part of Jacob. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 23. It came to pass when Joseph was coming unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. His brethren stripped him of that coat. Verse 31. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the the goats and dipped the coat in blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found 
Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and he said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in many pieces. Rent in pieces. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to entitle the subject this morning, Wearing the Father's Garment of Honor. Wearing the Father's Garment of Honor. Two weeks from today is Father's Day. I'm not scheduled to be here on that Sunday. And next week there are meetings in Saskatchewan and in Saskatoon, starting this Wednesday, going through to uh, Sunday. It coincides with a number of brothers that are turning 80, one of which is Brother Menno, and we have a number of our people going. Brother Menno has requested the quartet come and sing, so those brothers have been practicing, and they're going. And so next Sunday, uh, a number will be gone, and two weeks from hence, I won't be here. So I want to take this on the order and the thoughts of a Father's Day message. And I'm going to just use some scripture to start. And then we're going to come back to our text in a little bit. But turn with me. I'm just, maybe don't turn with this. I'm just going to get you to put these couple up, Sister Ruth. Exodus chapter 20, in verse 12. Honor. Now the subject is wearing the Father's garment of honor. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God gives you. So your, mine, all of us, our time here on earth will be a reflection, our time on the land, in the land, will be a reflection of our attitude towards our father and mother. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God has commanded me. Now Moses, in Exodus, it was God speaking to all of Israel. This was the generation that wandered in the wilderness. Now this is the generation inheriting the land. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God has commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God gives thee. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This is the scripture that is the summary of all that God is speaking to Paul for what was called the model church, the church that could take the mysteries, that could take these things. And in Ephesians 6, he's going to talk about the whole armor of God. But before he comes to that, you need to be aware of where Paul is going. Uh, in the preceding verses, verse 10, he starts talking about the whole armor Verse 5, he talks about servants and masters and authority. But before he gets to that, he starts in verse 1. 
And he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So out of all the Ten Commandments, none of them are given a promise except this one, saying, you can live long, your days can be prolonged, you can be blessed when you honor your father and your mother. And it says, and Paul goes on to elaborate, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And now the admonition goes the other way, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to just start slow, and as, as I feel the Lord would lead us into where I want to get to. There was a statement made in, in the Time magazine in 2009, and it said, we need fathers to step up, to realize that their job does not end at conception. That what makes you a man is not the ability to have a child, but the courage to raise one. It would say, well, let me, let me leave some of this. I'm going to ask you to turn also to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And then we will pick up the reading there from verse 14. I, I want you to just be thinking about these scriptures as they come together. Paul is now speaking to the church, and he's saying, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Now, now take what Paul, the first messenger, is saying to the people that are under him. He's speaking to them as sons. And now I want you to think about Brother Branham. He speaks to him. He says, you, to his flock in this day, he says, you're my children. You're the jewels in my crown. And he says, now listen to what I'm saying. Now when somebody speaks on that level, it's a different level. And the next verse will share that. And Paul would say, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, he says, you'll find, if I can put it in common language, you'll find many instructional books. Do this. You'll have many psychologist viewpoints about being a father or a parent. You'll have many words of wisdom. You'll have many James Dobsons. You'll have many different things that are out there. But you have a father. And Paul puts himself in those shoes. I have been given a charge, and you are my children. And I would say the same holds true for the messenger of this age. And he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be you followers of me. 
And now I, I want you to look at Paul because Paul knows I can't do it all. I can't be everything. But he, he now brings something else into the picture. For this cause I've sent to you Timothy, well, let's just say Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. Now, Paul didn't have a son, but he's saying, if I ever would have a son, the characteristics of Timothy are characteristics that I long to impart. Now, as a father, he was desiring to impart something, give something. That's what he lived for. That's what a father lives for on this earth, is to give something to a son. And where does that come from? Our Heavenly Father. I want to give you something. I want to impart something of my life. I want to give it to you. And he says, Who is my beloved Son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now Paul would also say, and this is a reflection of what was in Ephesians chapter 6, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now to nurture something, you, you can have, and I, I will bring two extremes just really quickly. You can have the militant approach, its rules, its regulations, toe the line. You can have the other line, you're my son, you know, I'll take care of you. I got it covered. Just, just stick around. I'll help you. And be soft about it. Or rather, just let them go. Now, those are extremes. And we might find ourselves on this extreme. Or we might find ourselves on this extreme. If it's rules and regulations, you need to realize there's an atmosphere that has to be passed on. For, for things to grow. There has to be direction. There has to be a hand. It's greater than just saying, these are the rules, stick with them, or else you're my son and remember it. And he says, and whatever you do, I got you covered. No, it's, I think the truth is somewhere in between. I know it's quiet. I want you to listen just to the rest of this now. Paul is saying, Timothy will bring you into remembrance. If you are a father in a home, you are going to bring into remembrance the things that our messenger, you are a Timothy to your home. And you will be a father and your children, if they are God's children, they will also be Timothy's. I don't know, maybe not everybody caught this because at the graduation, and it's a scripture I've used actually before, but I, I really appreciate Brother Brent bringing this to the graduation. And he says, when God looked down and he said, I'm going to pick Abraham. And, and he would say, Abraham, there, there's characteristics about Abraham that I see that I can use. And in Abraham chapter 18 Sister Ruth, this is just kind of injecting here. In verse 17, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham 
the thing which I will do. Now you think, God picked Abraham, and we all identify I'm Abraham's seed, and God picked me. And he says, shall I hide from Abraham? Now God looking down the corridors of time saying, Abraham will surely become a great and a mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. Therefore, how can I hide to him? And now he goes a step further. But I know him. I know what's inside of him. There's a part, an attribute of me inside of Abraham. And what Abraham is going to do, he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So Brother Brent touched on this. He said this was an attribute that God saw in Abraham and I think it's an attribute. If God put an Abraham here and, he, and that's what he saw, I think we're reflectors of that. And if you're in a home where you can see that, I think you ought to say, God is looking after me through my father. And you need to be able to say and honor that. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14. Paul, once again, now he's speaking to the Corinthian church. And Paul would speak to the Ephesians on a level. And, and there's six chapters in Ephesians dealing with that church. It's concise. He could drop it in. Corinthians, he had to write two books. And each book had like 13, 14 chapters. And he had to spend a lot of time. But they were also Paul's children. So now Paul says in verse, in, 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 in verse 14, Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents but the parents for the children. So he's, he's, t he's saying a thing. He says, don't get this backwards. That, that you, 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 you're here just to take care of me naturally. No, I'm here to give you something. I'm going to lay up something for you that will benefit you. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Paul had to correct them about the sins that were in the church. Paul had to correct them and saying, and, and you got so many ideas. You, you elevate man. You elevate this one. You elevate that one. You're wrong. Some of you elevate this preacher and this preacher. Some of you elevate just, as he said, the tapes only or Christ only. Hey, all of those are worthy. And I, I'm not doing this wrong, but I'm saying, let's keep a balance. So Paul is doing all of these things. Now, he, he would say, I, I will be spent for you. Now, I need to move along here just to keep the things. I want to, just for a minute, examine the conditions. Let's go back to 1 Timothy, or ahead to 1 Timothy. 
or Second Timothy, I'm sorry, Second Timothy. Are you all with me this morning? Thank you for your attention, and if you want to say amen once in a while, and, and, and that would be helpful too. Second Timothy chapter 3, we all know this very, very well, but I want you just to consider it one more time. Paul says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, and, and I've maybe used the analogy, Jesus would say in Matthew there'll be wars and rumors of wars and and earthquakes and distress among the nations and there'll be all of these things those will be perilous times they'll have nuclear weapons they'll they'll have they'll have all kinds of things they'll have at their disposal chemical warfare they'll have all kinds of things but now when the spirit speaks through Paul perilous times will come see all of those things uh, don't they they can't do you no harm until it's in the hands of someone who can use it for harm. So they, it, what's the danger? The danger is not the nuclear weapon. The danger is who's holding it in their hands. And, and the, the enemy that we face, Satan, he can do you no harm. Until you open up to take him in. Then it's harmful. Listen, let, let's not be angelic, you know, sanctimonious this morning. We all, we all made mistakes. We all said things wrong. But we're here to be washed this morning. We're living in a world that's, that, that we get dirty. We get under pressure. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We need the blood of Jesus. And not just the blood of Jesus, we need the washing of the water by the word. Because we get attitudes on us. That's old people. That's young people. We see things we shouldn't see. We hang around with people we shouldn't. We, we, we get attitudes come on us. So what are we here this morning? Lord, scour me. Help me this morning. He's coming. When he came in his first coming, he said, I come as a refiner with soap and fire. It was a cleansing that he was bringing. What's he doing in this last day? He is cleansing a bride. I think we ought to just say, I'm here to hear the gospel. I don't need to be soft soaped. I need a washing. I need a scouring. And I say, I need it. And you need it. And we need to hear it like the prophet told us. And the problem is, is that the enemy is always moving the landmark. We need to just set it back in order again. And if we find ourselves outside of it, let's just set it up again. That's good for the preacher's house. It's good for everybody's house. Perilous times will come. Men's with men will be Lovers of their own selves. Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Now look at what Paul puts in the middle of all of this. Disobedient to parents. Oh, I'm in a message home, Brother Ed. That's true. And just because you're in a home with godly parents doesn't mean that you're naturally obedient. The enemy will take and he will try to reduce your father, your mother, to a natural level. 
The spirits that are in the world today defund the police. What is that spirit? It's to reduce authority for the purpose of self-liberty. Don't think that that spirit stops out there. It wants to come in here. It causes us to question. It causes us to question our deacons. It causes us to question the officers. It causes us to question the ministers. And we start to look at it through natural terms. And we start to say, oh, that's just brother so-and-so. You need to have respect for God's order. And if you can't respect the man, respect the office. And God will bless you for it. Say nice things about one another. Don't go down the enemy's path. We are not called to that anymore. And God will not put up with it. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. 50, 60 years ago in the world, you'd go down the street, men would open the door for a woman to walk through. Young people would make way for the elders. Somebody would come in a bus as an older person. Young people would get up and let the old person have the seat. They would say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You don't find that anymore. There's been an erosion of these things. And that erosion that's in the world creeps in here. It's time to redefine the role a little bit better. For both parents and fathers as we're going today, and children. And when I, we sometimes talk about sons, we're talking about daughters too. Is that, is that clear? I don't mean to be biased one way or another. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. I don't know if I can remember the scripture, but it's in Ezekiel. I think it's Ezekiel 19. And it talks about two children, two sons of one person. And the father gives an instruction, and he tells one son, go and do this. And the son says, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And then he tells another son, I will do it. And the son who said, I won't do it, has a change of heart, and he goes and does it like his father said. The son that said, I will do it, just gives lip service and doesn't really do it. And the Bible says, to whom will the father give honor? To the one that did it. And Jesus would come say, many say, Lord, Lord. Many will have the right lingo that comes off their lips. He says, but their heart is far from me. I say, let's put it in our heart. Let's put it where it's going to matter. It's going to change us. Where it's not going to be just a Sunday, but on a Monday when I wake up. The words that I heard on Sunday will be in effect. And I'm going to apply myself. I'm going to give myself to them. Now we're talking both naturally and spiritually here. (laughs) 
Paul would conclude having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Having a form of godliness. That's not denominations only. That can happen right in the framework of where we're at. Now the world that we live in, I need to move, and I keep saying that and I'm not moving. Isaiah chapter 3. Now God has an issue, and I will say what you see in the world around us today, be it in America, be it Canada, they represent elements of a fallen society. America, Canada's lumped in with it. USA and Canada's twins have rejected God's word. And so when they rejected God's word, it set them in a path that they didn't know what it would lead them to. Verse 1. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread, the whole stay of water. Now, God has an issue with Judah. Now watch what happens. The mighty men, the men of war, the judge, the prophet, the prudent, and the ancient, the captain of 50, and the honorable men, and the honorable man, and the counselor, and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. Now these, these, are, these are all parts of what that nation was bestowed with, but God said, I'm going to take that away now. You're not going to have that anymore. And instead... I'm going to give you this, verse 4. And I will give children to be their princes. I want you to look at the caliber of leaders that we have. I, I, I don't, we, we've got in one country, Canada and U.S. are twins. One, one has, I, I don't know what the right words I could use without being that, but just read this verse. Um, and in the other nation, they've got a grandfather ruling. But he says, I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. Men that are not seasoned, men that do not have the greater interest, but are infantile in their thinking, men that, are that, 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 that will, will take and, and just do childish things, are the rulers. And now in verse 5, and people shall be oppressed, every one by another. I don't know if you look at what's been stripped away from us, even through COVID, but there is a huge oppression with that spirit. And it, it is there to strip away your liberties. It is there to strip it away. And we, 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 can, we still have to live in this world. We have to function in this world. But we don't need to be overcome by the spirit of this world. I have a right to be in church. I have a right to fellowship. I have a right to be where God wants me. And I have a post. And, and sometimes, yes, it is good to, to stream. Some, uh, God bless the streaming. Thank God for the streaming. But don't use that as a replacement for what you bring to the body. Because there's an element that each one of us, we're a spirit, and you come to church, you add something to the service, and one day will, God will ask, if you had an opportunity, why weren't you there? Sorry if that's meddling, but that's the truth. 
I, there was a brother, he sat right over where Brother Michael or Brother Ben are sitting, Brother Lawrence Kesser. He was not a man that sang specials. He was not a preacher. He was a trustee for a number of years. But I'll tell you, that man, when he sat there, I could count on him when I was preaching. I could sit behind him and I could look and say, that man is a Christian. He is faithful. He is true. And I thank God it gave me strength all the time. Let's just cut things to the chase. Let's not be soft. If we become soft, Lord, strip it away from us. Now, maybe this is why the devil was fighting me. But I'm not going to stop what he laid on my heart. And if it needs to be said this way this morning, so be it. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. So in other words, it's lateral relationship. What are they doing? Well, you're going to do that like we drop in little words. Uh, are you going to church? Say, I don't know. And it's attitudes that start to get rub off. And I'm not just talking about church. I don't want to make it about that. But it's about... It can be about dress. It can be about standards. Well, that was always just Brother Harold. No, Brother Harold had a standard that was brought by the messenger. Brother Harold just proclaimed it. And we, if we are faithful as fathers, as ministers, we need to stand behind that standard and not let it waver. It wasn't Brother Harold's standard. It was God's standard. And it still is God's standard. And everyone by his neighbor. And then this word. word. And, the, and the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. So this is a spirit when a nation, when a people turn down God's word. These are reflections of what happens. And the children said, that's just my old man. That's a phrase that came out of the hippie movement. It was a rebellious phrase. And it should never be said among us. And maybe you think, oh, that's old school, I would never be identified, I'd be a hippie if I said that. Yeah, but you can carry the same spirit. Verse 6, when a man shall take a hold of the brother of, his, of, a, of the house of his father, saying, thou hast clothing to be our ruler, let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. There's a, there's a really good story, in, a story, it's an account in the book of Judges, 
And it's about all the trees. And the trees wanted somebody to be their ruler. And they, they took the oak tree, I think, or the other, the sycamore tree, or would be our ruler. And he said, no, I won't. And finally, the people got so low, they found the bramble bush. And they found the bramble bush, be our ruler. So, okay, I'll be your ruler, but you have to do such and such. And the people said, okay. It was the weakness of the people that would accept a ruler. People don't want to come to church to have a finger in their face anymore. People don't, and I say this, God, shame on me if I would do that. Shame on my family if I would do that. Because we need the washing of the water by the word. We need to hear it straight. We need to hear it. A bride is going to make herself ready. She will be clothed with garments. And the garments are not just doctrines. They're not just phrases. They're not lip service. But it's something you put on yourself. Friends, we've been called to a high calling. When I see people, they take the message, I'm just sick and tired of going to church. I don't want to pretend. You don't have to pretend. I I I want to make sure the other people accept me. Don't worry about that. Just be fine acceptance with God. That's all you need. If you're coming to church for any other reason, if it's social, that's a byproduct. Thank God for that. But if that's first and foremost, you're missing something. We've been called to be the bride of Jesus Christ. We are for his honor. We are for his glory. We're a peculiar people. In the days of Samson, to be a Nazarite was a high honor. And a Nazarite had a vow not to cut his hair, not to touch strong drink, not to touch a dead body. A a Nazarite didn't go around and say, I wish I could have a drink today. You know, a Nazarite didn't go around saying, there's a dead carcass, I'd I'd, I'd really like to, to get some of that meat, but no. It was an honor. And I would say, and I want you to think a little bit deeper, it's not about rules and regulations. But when you held that, There was a power and there was a strength that came with it. And I'll say this, when you hold the message and then you have to face the enemy, it's not like your heart is beating because I don't know if if God can help me. And sometimes we just, we have an order in the magnitude of a slave and we plead with God, oh please, please deliver me. And he does. But there has to come a season where you begin to take the garment and you put it on and say, I am the message. And the message is me. And, I, and it works with me. And it talks with me. And it, it is my strength when I meet the devil. It's a garment. It's an honorable garment. It's not rules and regulations. And the downfall of Samson, if you read the scriptures closely, he started to walk in the vineyards of Timnath. What's in the vineyards of Timnath? Wine. Why would you spend your time walking in vineyards to be tempted by wine? Why would you spend your time in the company of the ungodly when you know it'll bring you down? Why would you spend your time on worldly things when you know that'll come back to bite you one day? 
And if you don't have the strength to do it, listen, this is not all about do's and don'ts. This is about him coming in, living through you. The greatest honor we could have on earth today is for him to express himself through us. The God of creation can come and live in me. Oh, I give him my body. I give him my heart. I give him my mind. And when I do that, it no, it's no longer rules and regulations. This is an honor the Father has bestowed on me. He doesn't give it to everybody. But there's those. Jesus would say, he that loves me keeps my commandments. So it's not just saying, I love him. I love him. And have a nice spirit come over you. But now let that nice spirit come back and say, Lord, let me walk in it. Let me keep your commandments. Give me grace. Give me a new desire. And sometimes it's a battle to get there. There's a respect and an honor. Sometimes we can't define these things. If you actually take the definition of the word honor, and I'll just take it for a moment. It's high respect. It's great esteem. Honor is not something you can put a finger on but it shows up in your attitude. If you go in the Bible and you do a search under the word honor, you will find it is one of the phrases that is continually given unto God. To you belongs honor and glory. And, 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 and it's continually attributed to God. But then God sometimes, Him being the Father, He wants to impart that down to his children. And if you're a real parent and you're a real mother and you're a real father, you want your children to be successful. You want them to carry on and to prosper, not just in this world, but in the ways of God. That it can live itself out through them, that which lived out through you. Man, I have so many quotes in my notes, and I'm, I'm just speaking from my heart right now. Go to, go to look at what Brother Branham would say in the Ephesian Church Age book. And it says there's generations in the Ephesian age. There's generation one, two, three, four. And it says every generation loses something. But as the generation loses something, the fire that burned at the beginning is just a little ember. And that's this and this. And it becomes a coal. And, and Brother Branham said the Ephesian age fell away because in this time of transition from generation to generation, it's not passed on intellectually. It's not passed on in form. It's not passed on just in songs, just in quotes, but it's passed on with the Spirit of God, the fire of God that burns in another generation. I, I say, if you're a, a member of this church, you ought to thank God for the ministers that are raising up in this church. For, for Brother Andrew and for Brother John and Brother Max and, and for what God is doing. That is not a work of man. That's a work of God. 
And I watch some of our sisters that, that are in the music and play things. And I watch their hearts. And I watch some of you that come up in the prayer lines. And you say, I need a refilling. I need more of God. That is a desire that comes from not a natural parent, but the heavenly parent. And that's what we need. It would say, honor is high respect and great esteem. Another part of this is adherence to what is right or to a conventional standard of conduct. That's honor. To fulfill or to keep. I I want you to think about something what God has bestowed in this age. Prophets, the brothers are just releasing the first episode of season two podcast talking about the prophets. And these are things we may take for granted. Oh, I know what a prophet is. The world doesn't know what a prophet is. And the world, and it came to me, Brother Andrew, about another part of this, but the world doesn't know what the Son of Man is. The son of man, Ezekiel was identified as a son of man. It was, a, it was something that God took out of himself and he put into a son. Now you can go right back to the Logos. The Logos would say, uh, the Logos which came out from God. It wasn't created. Satan was created. But the Logos came, it was a part of God, and it came out from God. It ushered forth from his loins. It was a part of him, not yet expressed, but it was always there. And it came forth from him, and it expressed. And now Jesus comes down to earth as the son, as the expression of that Logos. And he says, I come not to seek my own will, but the Father's. I seek not my own honor, but the Father's. Everything he was, was a reflection of the Father. His DNA, his inside, it it was a part of that. So there was this expression of God called the Son of Man. And the Son of Man was going to usher forth. And it was going to be so much like God. (laughs) You know, one of the things that's amazing to me, Talking about honor. You know, the, the Lord catches the devil in all his own traps. In the times of Esther, the queen was there. And the queen makes a request to the king to come to a banquet and to bring Haman with her. And she is going to let it be known what Haman is doing. But she can't quite do it in herself. And there's a bride in this day who has desires that God has given her, but she can't do it in herself. She couldn't overcome. Brother Branham would give statements and quotes like, she just couldn't quite get to it. And he talks about that, that woman that was beat with a three-pronged step. And, and, and yet it would take something coming forth from God that would utter. Her desire was there, but she could never reach it. So now, here's Esther. She couldn't quite bring herself to tell the king what was going on. And as she's standing there, and she says, 
what is your request, Esther? And he says, uh, come tomorrow to the banquet. Another banquet? Okay. So that night, that night, the king can't sleep. That night, the king is just saying, I, listen, I, I do this myself sometimes. I, I'll, I'll put on a story. I'll put on a tape. I'll, I'll do things. It settles my mind, and I fall asleep. I've got too many things going on sometimes. But the king can't sleep, so bring the records. Bring the records. Okay, the records. And he, as he's hearing the, the chamberlain read the records, and Mordecai saved the king from the two plots of such and such, and then the king goes, Mordecai. That's kind of strange that the king's being moved this way. But he's a Mordecai. And if you know Mordecai, he was the seventh of the chamberlains. <laughs> and, if you, and if you, like I'm not teaching today, I'm just, just preaching. But I'm just saying, Mordecai. And then at that point, while, while this is happening in the king's chamber, down below, down here, and, and, and Haman comes to his house, and Haman comes down here, and Mordecai will not bow to him. Because Mordecai has a DNA that will not allow him to give his honor to anybody else. And this so incenses Haman. He can't stand it. And, and he tells his wife and his sons, and he says, ah. And they said, don't worry, you'll have a chance to kill all the Jews. He says, I can't live another day. And then they said, well, you have the king's favor. Go and build a gallows. And he builds a gallows. And he's going to go and talk to the king. So he comes marching up to the king. Just at the time the king has read the chronicles. And he comes up to the king and he's saying, and the king says, ah, Haman, just the guy I wanted to see. What should be done to a man the king delights in and he wants to honor. And Mordecai thinks, oh, finally I'm getting some recognition. Finally I'm getting, he says, oh, here's what you do, oh king. And he's, he's pictured himself in this picture. He said, get the king's horse. Get the king's apparel. And then have one of the king's princes parade the man that the king delights to honor through the streets and say, this shall it be done to the man that the king delights to honor. And the king stands there and he says, Mordecai, what a splendid idea. You go and do that. Dress, no, he says, Haman. Haman, you do that. You dress Mordecai in the king's robes. And about that time, his jaw dropped. About that time, his heart sank. And he says, and now, Mordecai, you get the king's horse. And Mordecai, you be the one that will lead him. And you tell the words, this is the man. And you talk about God turning the tables. The Son of Man ministry is so close that it looks like the king. It's the king's horse, which is the king's power. It's the king's apparel, which is the honor that goes with it. It's, it's so close, you would almost mistake it for the king. But it's the Son of Man ministry riding again. It's the Son of Man ministry we're identifying with. It's ushered forth. It's ushered forth from the king. 
and we catch it, and we see it, and we say, Lord, this is none but you bringing something to us. This message is exactly in parallel. Don't reduce it to carnal rules. Don't reduce it. Oh, this is just what mom and dad have. This ushered forth from God. And if you wanted to take another part, one of the most controversial parts, Brother Abraham says, I'll ride this trail again. Now you can find where it says, I'll ride this trail again. And then he'll also say, she'll ride this trail again. And then he also says, we'll ride this trail again. So you don't stop it there. Because Esther was included in that Son of Man ministry. She was a part of it, and so are we a part of it. And so we need to recognize, now we've got what we need. Now, not only did that sink a dagger into the heart of Haman, and if I've mixed the two up, forgive me, you know what I meant. Okay? Some said 7,000, said some said 700, but they knew what he meant. I'm not putting myself to the level of the prophet, but I mi- I'm thinking the right thing that's coming out wrong sometimes. So that sunk a heart into Haman. But it also gave, because Mordecai now whispered and said, the king has honored me and I'm your relative. I'm of your people. And now she could come and say to the king, and now when she comes to the banquet, now Esther, what is your request? Now the record is recorded in the king's chambers. Now the record that she needed as a backup, that which would give her boldness to step out, now it was in her, it was a DNA, it was a part of her. And she could step forward. Now she was putting on her queen's garment. Now she was walking into the presence of the king. Just quickly put these up, Sister Ruth. Deuteronomy 19. You shall not remove the neighbor's landmark, which they of old time have set in their inheritance. The devil was attempting to obscure who Mordecai was, who the people of Israel really were. But God says, no, this is an inheritance. The devil wants to remove our landmark. We're not of that kind. Listen, Brother Branham would talk about, which we spoke on on Wednesday. God left a seed. And there was something about that seed that had attributes that it could not go the way others went. And Brother Branham relates it. What the battles were in heaven have become the battles on earth. Because the devil who could not hold his boundary in heaven is trying to remove our boundary. 
And Brother Bram says, when God created me before the foundation of the world, I wasn't conscious of anything as far as I know it. But just a minute, Jesus told his disciples he was with them before the foundation of the world. And Paul said in there, he chose us in him before the world began. Now he said, there's some part of me, there's some part of Orman Neville, there's some part of all of you that was in Christ Jesus before the world ever ran. And he says, now here is my analysis of it. This is the DNA, the seed that's inside. It needs to be quickened. It needs to be magnetized, as our brother Brand said. It doesn't do you any good to sit here and, and just do the form and the mechanics. It needs the dynamics. Don't let that ever leave you. Friends, how important are the dynamics? How important is that seed? Abel could receive something Cain could never receive. Abel, he had respect unto the offering. Cain didn't have respect. His approach was wrong. And even if he would have done it, he says, I'm not going to do what he did. See, he didn't have it. And always Cain's lineage is the same. If you read about the sons of Noah, Ham, Sheph, Japheth, I believe, I think Ham, out of that lineage, was the serpent seed. But out of that, there was a devaluation of the respect for the father and the lineage. And you see it manifest when Noah was drunk and he was naked. Two of Noah's sons had hid their faces and backed out of the room. But Ham didn't care. I'll just look at anything. Now, you don't find that as a rule or a regulation in the scriptures. But it's an attitude that comes forth from respecting and having honor to what God's word says. Do you, do you get where I'm going this morning? This is far deeper. And I say this, God established the boundaries. Within my home, within my thinking, within my family, within this church, let it be clear. We are not just a rules and regulations church. Let it not be said we are just the church of one of those Branham groups. We're not just the church of, of Harold Hildebrand. We're not just the church of the current leadership. We are the church of the Almighty God. Deuteronomy 27, verse 14. And the Levites shall speak, and they shall say unto all of the men of Israel with, one, with a loud voice. You want to go back, you can read this in the same scripture. Moses was the one who all of Israel revered. This was God's messenger. They had respect unto Moses. And the biggest challenge was for Israel to have respect. When they came out, was not to look at Moses as just a natural man. And when he was lifted up and God put honor and, and when he came down from the mount, there was a cloud that veiled him. This was God bestowing some of his honor on him. And as long as Moses was behind that cloud, behind the veil, it was the same as God speaking. When the cloud lifted, it was just Moses again. And you had to be careful not to speak against just Moses again, as Miriam found out. But now God tells Moses, and it's in Numbers 27 rather, he says, now you go tell the Levites, 
And these are men that are ordained, and I want you to put some of your honor on them. What a strange terminology. I want to put some of your honor on them. In other words, anybody that is a man called of God bearing this message is bearing a part of that honor. I will say further, if you are a man who is head of your home, you're bearing a part of that honor. And you need to recognize I've been given a charge like Abraham's been given. Listen, I, before I just make this, because I could go to the militant side, I could go to this other side. Brother Branham would make, make this comment to me, one of the outstanding messages for fathers. Thinking man's filter. The grace of God to understand such great mysteries. And then he says, of the husband and the wife, even this is a mystery. How that the woman should be in respects to their husband. In other words, whatever you do reflects on your husband. When you step out and you, now I, I realize not everybody has a godly husband. And I say that Christ is, a, is ahead. And there is those that you give respect to. But I'll say this, yet you still honor. I, I, I think so many thoughts. I'm going to drop this in real quick. My father was not a message believer. My father did many things that he was ashamed of in his dying days. And yet, as much as the family had alienated him, the scripture that I read from the beginning is, honor thy father and thy mother. I always used that. My father knew I was a preacher. Sometimes we would get into little doctrinal debates, and, and, and I would get frustrated sometimes, and then I learned after a while, we just don't go there. And I rather went and I got his groceries when he couldn't do it later. I helped him with things. I gave him a ride. I did different things. I, I came and visited him and fellowshiped him. I did all of that by one scripture. Honor thy father and thy mother. And I honored him. And when he, when he got sick and he was in a hospital, and I made a prayer request across this church to pray for my father, and it was two days later that God came so sovereignly, cleared his mind, cleared his thinking, the religious spirit that was on him. And he looks at me and, and his words were, Ed, you're as good as gold. He said, you've been a better son than I've been a father. It was never my preaching that won him. It was my honoring the role that I had to him. And I will say this, you stay in the channel and God will bless you. If you're a mother, be a mother to your children. If you're a father, be a father to your children. And if you're a son or a daughter, respect them. And you watch the blessing of God follow your life. I'm giving you an extreme case. I'm not doing this to heap glory on myself. It was a struggle. It wasn't easy, but it was God's word. And I didn't agree with him all the time, but it was still God's word. Now Brother Branham says, a woman should be in respects. The woman, seeing she reverence her husband, should reverence him. And then all the brothers, oh, Brother Ed, I'm so glad you're going down this path. I, 
she, she needs to be a little bit more in subjection. Yeah. Thanks. God's leading you this morning. Good. Now God will lead me in the next sentence as well. And the next sentence, from the prophet. Then a husband ought to live such a life before his wife that his wife could reverence him as a son of God. Oh, why'd you have to go that far? Wasn't it time to close? No, it wasn't yet. This is the full counsel of God. And if he doesn't live that kind of life, then of course she can't reverence him because she knows what he's made out of. But when a man that is a reverent man, reverent and clean, with his wife and before his family, a real servant of God, then the women, the children, and all should respect that servant of God with reverence. And the brother said, and the brother said, the loss of value that gets imparted from generation to generation. Ephesians 6, if you will, quickly. Skipping some scriptures, but that's okay. I think the Lord's having his way. Ephesians 6. This is Paul speaking. I I read the part of children and parents. Now verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. When you go to your job, I hate this boss. You're not fulfilling that scripture. When you go there and you only work when he's looking at you and you don't when he's not, you're not, miss, you're not fulfilling that scripture. I had a, I'm just going to be personal for a moment. As Brother Harold got older, somebody said, Brother Ed, you're, you're working, you're doing this, you're doing that. It seems like Brother Harold's not doing that. He's not pulling his load. Well, hang on. There's more to it than that. And I said, you're working for him and you're not. I said, stop right there. I'm not working for him. I'm working for Christ. The deacons that serve, they're working for the body of Christ. The trustees that serve, they're part of the Christ. The ministers are. We do all things unto Christ. We respect the authority of God's order. And I, I'm, listen, if this, if this is just washing some things, if the devil has obscured some of this, then it's good for me. And not just, you know, somebody say, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're a great team player as long as you're in charge of the team. No, that's not it. I respected I submitted myself to the team. As a minister, I still submit myself to the team. You can take a union mentality and say, well, if they recognize me and they do this to me, what about if they don't even recognize you? And what if they don't? Are you still going to do it? Or are you still going to follow that selfish attitude? 
We're living for Christ. We're not, and we're living for Christ is living for one, for one another. And, and if you want to check how much you love Christ, Brother Branham said, I first need to check how much I love my brother or my sister. And if you don't love them, then your love for Christ is not what it should be. Oh my, these are challenging statements for all of us. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. So, yeah, I'll, I'll punch in on time, but I'll take my coffee break when, when it's time. What about the Samaritan, the good Samaritan? Did he just follow what the other Samaritans did? The, the Levite passed by, the priest passed by. The good Samaritan, he went beyond his duty. He didn't just stop with, well, that's not my duty. I, I didn't see him. I was on the other side of the street. No. He went beyond his duty. You may never get recognized for it. What's honor? Honor is the name we're under. When you see your brother in a fault... Are you quick to talk about it? Are you quick to develop an attitude? And if you develop that attitude, you could be doing it against one of God's children. And you start to look down. And Brother Bram said, the real Christian way is to hide our faults from one, to hide your brother's faults from somebody else. It's to kneel in prayer and say, Lord, he's in the line of duty. He slept and he fell. Would you help him? What is honor? Honor is what you do outside this church. Honor is when you carry your father's name into a workplace, into a school. Honor is how you conduct yourself. I never found myself as one who was maybe bold and would just Declare, I'm a Christian, and here's placards, and you better get saved. That was never me. I would rather let the Father's life speak within me. I had a boss who was a superior, and he swore, and he cussed, and and he was a very dominating man. And it grieved me. And one day, it was working late in the office, and he was there, and he comes over by my desk. He looks at some papers and some drawings. Ah, blinkety, blinkety, blankety, blank. And it's just me and him. And I said, I can't take it any longer. He went back down the hall to his office. I went back down to the hall to his office. And I said, Jim, you're my boss. And I thank you for the job you've given me. But I need to tell you something. Whenever you use that name of Jesus Christ, that hurts me. Because that is my Lord and my God. I didn't go and tell him, thou shalt not curse. Thou shalt not do this. I said, and I thought he was going to stand up and say, you're fired. He hung his head and he said, I'm sorry. That's a problem for me. It's a problem at home too. I'll try and watch it. Two days later, he comes by my desk and he was upset about something. Blinkity, blinkity, blink. I said my piece. 
I honored him. The story that Brother Brandon would tell, listen, I'm never going to get through everything I got in this service today. Maybe we'll have to take a part two of Father's Day one day. But I would just say, when the record's been written, and Brother Brandon refers to this as a judgment bar, and somebody is there at the judgment bar, and all kinds of lists stood against him, and, and, I, and I, I lied, I did this, yeah, I did all those things, I was wrong. But about the time you're about to be cursed, and then the Lord stands up and says, while he was on earth, he honored my name, so now I'm going to honor him. Would you not rather have that testimony speaking for you? Listen, I don't know where God is dealing today. All I know is the devil came at me real hard the last two days. And I'm not stopping. Brother Brandon would say, or the Bible would say in verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he be receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also in he- is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Let me just bring two or three more other things. I'm trying to bring a balance here. This is not the father as a male figure and bowed on. This is a challenge to fathers. It's a challenge to us to submit to God's order. And it's a challenge for, for in, in this lawless age that we live in, there's an order in the home. There's an order given to the mother. She is the fifth gospel. And there's something that's handed down by a mother. Give me just, give me just a few more minutes, I'm done, okay? There's, a, there's a something that's given. But the mother's place is given by the father. In other words, if the children would just speak to mom and that, 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 that. The father has a right to go and say, when I'm gone, the mother's word stands for me. And if you don't, she has a right to come. I think there ought to be a reaction, an interaction, a communication with mother and father about the children. Sometimes one child is closer to one parent or the other. But I think you need to work together. So he says, now the mother's the one that we often look at, oh, you know, I I hurt myself, I'm I'm this and this, and and they come running to the father. No, they don't. They run to the mother. Because the father will say, oh, you got a boo-boo, ah, get a snap out of it. You'll be fine. The mother goes, oh, my darling, my little baby. But both are needed. And the the children know to run. That's a God-ordained way. But the father, let me just... Let me just bring a couple of quick comments here. The father sets the tone in the home. The father sets the vision. The father is the one that gathers everybody around and says, now, everything aside, we need to, we need to have some family time. Does this sound archaic? Is this possible in 2022? It's possible. Listen, you might say, Brother Ed, I missed the mark. I've missed it too from time to time. I've missed it. We all have. 
That doesn't mean we just throw up our hands, well, it's done, it's done. No. I think there's a time you can get together. You can talk as a family. You can say, these are some challenges that we have. Let's pray one for another. You know what God is? God is pleased with that kind of unity. He's pleased when men don't just be macho, but when men become men and they start to nurture, they start to admonish, they start to encourage, they start to bring these things, and then mother chimes in, and then the children have freedom to express, Dad, this and this happened. Can you pray for me? Or this and this. Son, I'll help you with that. I'll do this with you. I think that's God's order. That's what the devil is trying to take away. That's what he's trying to erode. I believe that that honor needs to come among a home to say, he is my father. Maybe he doesn't seem approachable, but it's still God's way. Listen, first time I went to Brother Harold to talk to him, I felt like, you know, just because I heard him preach and I heard him this, but God laid a scripture in my heart. And and, and it was, I thought, I, I can't share things with him. He'll just... This is what he'll say. This is what he'll do. Well, that was just a st- figment of my imagination. And I rather went, the scripture God laid in my heart, in counsel, there's safety. So I said, hey, counsel. I'm going to go counsel. And when I counseled, I'll tell you what, I benefited from it. Because, and I sent this note to Brother Harold two years ago. In the middle of COVID, I sent him the scripture of 1 Corinthians. Though you have many instructors... You have not many fathers. And I say, Brother Harold, there's times I, I didn't always swallow everything. I didn't always get it right. But God blessed me when I saw that it was him leading you in a role that wasn't just an instructor. There was a few times I was going down a path I shouldn't have gone. And I don't believe Brother Harold knew it, but the Holy Spirit used that office and pointed something. I don't know if you knew, even knew it was me. And it was then I realized he was my pastor. And I sent him this note and I said, Brother Harold, I want to thank you for the things that you have imparted in my life. And I think we need to give honor because there's much more a father could impart, there's much more a son could receive or a daughter could receive. Let me just, just about there. Brother Branham, if I just will use this. In the time he lived, there was a phrase called juvenile delinquency. Juveniles were delinquent. And Brother Branham would make this statement. You know, a lot of times we think about juvenile delinquency. I think a whole lot of it is parent delinquency. If the kids had been taught to pray. Listen, let's have the musicians come. Can you do that? It's 12 o'clock on the nose. If the kids had been taught to pray and serve God, instead of a mama out somewhere at a card party, and then Brother Branham says these words, and her religious card party. Sometimes, obligation one begins at home. And the dad out at a golf course somewhere. Now, this was a tough one to say because yesterday a couple of brothers and I went out golfing. Two of them were ministers. I won't mention names. One of them's ministering tonight. No, he's not. 
<laughs> Brother Max is ministering tonight. So, the other two. <laughs> I won't mention their names. Uh, Brother Moses is in the mix, but he, he wasn't golfing yesterday. <laughs> okay, let's give Brother Moses a hand clap. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe things would be different if there had been an old-fashioned prayer altar, the Bible, instead of a deck of cards. They throw the television out the door a long time ago. It would have been a whole lot different. It used to be wrong to go to the picture show. Now the devil has put it right over on us. He brought it right in their house. See? See? Jesus keeps all his appointments, 1964. Just play something softly, Sister Andrew. I, I said all I said today, there's, and there's much I didn't get to, but that's okay. If we would look at this, we would say, Brother Ed, some of us would say, I failed. My hands are up too. Brother Ed, things have just eroded in my home. And I could look back and say, yeah, I, f I feel the enemy has pushed and pushed and pushed. I feel, though, I don't need to be on the defensive. I don't need to be just lifting up my hands saying, Lord, help me. I think I can go to on the offensive. You make ready for war when it isn't a time of war. And maybe you say right now, I'm going to, don't make it a resolution, but as the Holy Spirit quickens it to your heart, say, maybe tonight I could go out and I could, you know, go work in the garage, I could go do this, I could drive my car or my motorbike or my tractor. No, maybe you just say, maybe my son needs a little time just to talk. Maybe I, he's got a task I could help him with. Maybe it's a time for the family to get together and say, you know, things have been kind of rough, and, but we need God. This is, this is just very basic now. Maybe it hasn't been perfect. Maybe history would say it, it's far from it. There's a story in the Bible that I think covers almost every base. A man had two sons. And one son looked at the inheritance and he said, I want my inheritance. He viewed his father's life strictly, strictly in monetary terms. One day I'm going to get an inheritance. One day I'm going to get this. and One day I'll have my freedom. My parents lived together till they couldn't live together. And one day my mom had to separate because of the things in the home. And I was a 14-year-old boy. And I thought, whoo-wee, I'm going to be able to do everything I want now. Because I won't have my father's heavy hand on me. It was the worst thing in my life. I started to go down paths. My mom loved me, but she couldn't be a father. 
but God can be a father. And even if you don't have a father who's a believer or a father who isn't here, you can still bear his honor. You can say, I know he's somewhere. I know I'm going to meet him somewhere. I want to carry on what he gave me till that day. This man had two sons. One of the sons said, I'm going to want my inheritance. And he got it, and the father sent it out with a heavy, heavy heart. What the son failed to realize, the father and all that he had invested wasn't just monetary, wasn't just natural, but it was that which was dear to his heart. The son finds himself down in a pig pen one day. Sees the pigs eating these husks. And now what comes to his remembrance is to say, I need more money. No, now he came to a space where he said, in my father's house, they're eating like kings. He didn't say, I need more money to carry on my ways. He said, in my father's house is everything that I have need of. Look at the thoughts that came to him. In my father's house. And then he started to make his way back to his father's house. And he says, I don't want riches. All I want to be is a son in my father's house. That's, that's where God brought him to. But that was exactly where he wanted him in the beginning. I want him as a son around my table. I want him there. God wants every one of us there that day. But we're not going to go there by our own means and by our own agendas. We're going to go there by wearing the Father's honor. And the son thought, I don't have anything that I could give him. But he was actually giving him the very thing that he walked out without. He was giving him his place, his honor. And all the father wanted was the son and the fellowship. And the story, it's an amazing story because the father, if you read the scriptures, was sitting on the front veranda, not in the back, sitting down the front veranda, looking down the road, and one day he saw a figure coming down the road. That walk. And he stands up and he looks. Is that my son? And the scripture says, huh. and he, didn't, he didn't quickly resume his place. I'll wait till he grovels coming up to me. No. The father says, it's him. And it said, he ran, he ran, he ran to meet him. It was always in his heart. He always had an affinity with his son. That's our father. We're a reflection of that. Let's stand together. Are you playing? Let's just sing this this morning. I want to live the way He wants me. 
everything. He is my all. He is my everything. He is my going to make this prolonged, protractive, but I'll say this, the Spirit of God has been here this morning. I felt it even as I was ministering. I felt it as I was preparing. I feel it even right now. And God didn't, didn't bring this, and the devil didn't fight all this for no reason at all. But this is for some in this room. It's for some fathers it's for some sons. It's for some attitudes. It's for some respects. And I would say, whatever you need to do, and just, if it's as simple as lifting your hands and say, Lord, you spoke to me. And my hands are lifted. And if it's some sons and daughters saying, I see it, Brother Ed. I've been giving lip service. I've been dwelling under a house, but I haven't been honoring. And you want to be honest before God. I believe God will honor that if you lift your hand to Him. If it's for fathers to say, I need to have more accountability. I need to have more of a vision. Maybe some are frustrated because I'm in a broken home. I, I don't have this. I, I don't have that, Father. Listen, God had a, a place for the widows. He had a place for the single. And he said, the sanctified, the, the, the husband that believeth sanctifies the wife. And the wife that believeth sanctified the husband and the family. God knows the place. And he's made provision for it. God also knows that even after a life is gone, the prayers of a mother and a father will follow. Oh, this love is so deep, the Father's love. David had many sons, many different characteristics. But even the one son that went and took his place up on the throne, Absalom. David had to run, and it was because of his own sins. And David gave command to Job, said, whatever you do, go easy on Absalom. And when Joab didn't follow that, and David received the news that Absalom was killed, 
David just began to weep uncontrollably because it was so great, this bond of love. I would say that came from God. That doesn't come from man. How many wants to be a reflector of this relationship? Heavenly Father, this service has been different. But Lord, I know you're dealing with hearts. Father, don't let one be left behind. Don't let one wayward one be left behind, Lord. But we call on the name of Jesus Christ. And we say, Satan, they are not yours. They are God's property. And we claim them this morning in the name of Jesus. We claim those that are not in this building. We claim those that are in this building. But we desire what God desires. And this morning we come as real fathers, as real sons and daughters. We come before you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, it's you expressing something to us today. Honor and integrity and, and reverence and merit. These are things we cannot put words on. But they're so integral. They're a part of the birth, Lord. And we can't even fulfill them without you. Oh, give us of your spirit, Lord. Give us, Lord, a reverence. Give us an honor and a humility before you, our Father. And it'll reflect in our marriages, in our families, in our church, in our jobs, in our places. We need you, Lord. Father, there are some situations that are almost impossible this morning. There are some mothers that are here that don't have the answers. There are some fathers. But, oh God, would you hear them this morning? Would you, the high priest that is touched by the feeling of our infirmities, Lord, would you go out this morning? Do the impossible, oh God. Father, I pray well, you would reach down and you would restore in a way that we couldn't even imagine. Father, I ask you this morning. My heart is bleeding, Lord. It's bleeding for homes and situations. For young people that have no clue what they're going into. But oh God, would you arrest them this morning. Would you make it a Father's Day? I know today's not the day, but every day is Father's Day. Every day is Mother's Day. Oh, Spirit of God, brood over us this morning. Brood over hearts this morning. Lord, don't stop moving. Lord, you arrest hearts. I'm not calling for anything, but Lord, you're calling. And whoever you're calling, may they hear. May they respond. May you restore, oh Lord, what needs to be restored. Lord, let not this word return void. If the enemy was fighting it this morning, Lord, surely you are behind it then. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world.
Lord, as we begin to just sing a song or two, we begin to close in prayer. Lord, write on our hearts. I didn't hardly express all the thoughts, but they came, Lord, from where I believe you brought them to my heart. Lord, when the devil would try to erode these things, but today we put down the landmark. In Proverbs it's written, remove not the landmark, and it, Proverbs 22 and 23, and it says, talks about the fields of the fatherless. Lord, there needs to be men of God. God called men. God called fathers. And Lord, we're asking first that you'd be our father and that we could be reflectors. Lord, I don't know quite how to close this morning, but I'm giving the service now to you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a song about the Father's love. The Father's love. What is it? The Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the his face away as wounds which mar the chosen ones bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking death and resurrection why should i gain from his reward i cannot give an answer but this i know with all my heart his wounds have paid my rest 